to the Chase Ascendancy Podcast. All right, everybody. Hello, and welcome back to Chase Ascendancy. You're listening to episode 96, and just like Thrawn and Ezra, we've been gone forever. Uh, so we are jumping right in, and we are going to go ahead and hit up Ahsoka. Everybody's excited. Everybody's watching it. Uh, as of recording right now, episodes or parts one through three are out, uh, titled Master and Apprentice, which, of course, uh, made me think of Qui-Gon, RIP. We'll get into that a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, also made me think of, um, like, it's a great just novel. the random... Uh, the random lack of medical attention that people get in the Star Wars universe that apparently just like the medical stuff just changes from time to time. Part two is Toil and Trouble. And then part three came out most recently, which is Time to Fly. So we're going to do a review of each of these uh, five minutes each. So we're going to keep you guys um, on a timer. And so if you are new to the channel, there are five things that we touch on for each episode. Number one is overall thoughts. What do we think of the episode? Number two, we'll rate it one to 10. Number three, we'll look at a standout moment. Number four, new characters or standout characters. And then number five is what's next. Because we're reviewing three things in a row, we'll hit what's next at the very end of part three, Time to Fly. So we can look forward to that uh, second half of the season. So we've got eight episodes. We're three in. Um, we're going to go ahead and start. Samo, start us off. Part one, Master and Apprentice. It's uh, We used to not get new Star Wars stuff hardly ever, and now we're getting it in rapid succession. Give me your <laughs> thoughts on the live-action debut of Ahsoka. Yeah. Um, see, Master and Apprentice. I watched that a week ago because I watched everything else about an hour ago. Um, so I'm, I'm, it's a little bit off the dome here, but here we go. Um, I, I liked the idea of a lot of what was going on. I enjoyed that. We got about three minutes into the first episode before Dave Filoni's greater nature gave up and, uh, a loath wolf was already made (laughs) apparent. Um, loath cat, obviously a great call out to, were there loath cats and rebels? I I remember them being, yeah, they're a, a huge part of rebels. Okay. I remember them more dominantly from, uh. Fallen Order, because there's a Lothcat. No, they were around. Yeah, Lothcat was a huge part of Rebels. I'll be honest. Um, I'm kind of a fake fan in this regard. I've watched Rebels all the way through once. I've watched Clone Wars like maybe seven or eight times, but I've watched Rebels all the way through one time. So uh, Recollection's a little fun. Rebels is one of those shows that it starts off kind of slow, but to me personally, by the end, the best Rebel stuff is better than most of the best Clone Wars stuff. Hmm. Hmm. Especially strong, the forcey uh, type stuff. Strong uh, claims there. Sir. Strong like train. Strong like bull. Okay. So overall thoughts. Um, where do you where do you rank it? Kind of against uh, some of the other live action debuts like the Mandalorian, the Book of Boba Fett, Kenobi. What are your I thoughts don't on it? Know if it hit as hard as Kenobi or Book of Boba Fett because I think it didn't have to work as hard to establish something. Um, I think everything that was there was already kind of there in bits and pieces minus the dark Jedi. Um, and I'm going to call them dark Jedi as opposed to Sith mainly based on the apprentices, actual apprentice braid. Um, right. It seems to be, and I think that it's also been argued and I don't want to get too much of a rabbit hole, but argued that, um, Sith are, are kind of extinct or else the work of Luke is moot, right? Something to that effect. Right. Um, 
but yeah, I, I think that they didn't have to work as hard because most of the characters were already very well established. And, and even in this timeline, really, that's um, like, what, six or seven years later, it's not a massive gap like we have from uh, Jedi to Force Awakens. But I still enjoyed it. I was still enjoyed it a right. lot. Right. Yeah, you're looking the same basically of impact. Right. You're looking basically the same. This runs simultaneously to Mandalorian season two, is my understanding. Um, so yeah, it's not a, it's not a, a million years later. This is about, I want to say six or seven years after, uh, return of the Jedi, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so I thought it was really, really good. I thought as far as live action debuts of a show, um, Mando season one is hard to beat because you have the Grogu reveal and things like that. This is better to me than the first episode of the book of Boba Fett or the, uh, the Kenobi show. Um, mm -hmm. both of those at the end of the first episode, I was like, so that's the first episode this one really felt strong came out strong mm -hmm. i loved um i just i thought they handled uh soka really well i thought that the girl is playing sabine was really good and the intro of the two dark siders uh is really really good you've got balen skull and shin i can't remember mm -hmm. her last name um okay rate it one to ten one being the d squad ten being the empire strikes back <laughs> go for it right on my rating scale um i'm gonna i'm gonna give it a 7.5 i'm gonna give it a okay. 7.5 i'll give it a i'll give it a 8.5 i thought it was a okay. really really strong intro i really enjoyed it um standout moment for me was two things the intro felt very indiana jonesy so i was jumping right in because True. i've been on a bit of an indie kick myself with the latest uh movie having come out recently Have and so really? that was really fun and um, and also just to me, the development of Balin's character is very, very interesting. Um, I mm -hmm. feel like he's he is obviously not a Jedi. He makes that very clear in his introduction. But at the same time, he's not a Sith being the point that you made earlier on uh, undoing the work of Luke and, and Anakin in episode six. And also, you know, they made a huge point going into the sequels about Kylo Ren and Snoke not being Sith. The Sith are gone. Right. So we know that. But he's definitely more noble than um, than you would think. Uh, right. So um, those were a couple of stand-up moments for me. What about you? Um, I definitely was intrigued uh, by the Balin character. Uh, and I think you and I talked about this a little bit last week. But... Uh, he he feels to me like a call out to Joris Sabayoth, which if you haven't uh, yes. read the Heir to the Empire trilogy, was basically one of the contingency plans for Palpatine to restore power to the dark side. Um, right. And uh, the Joris Sabayoth, the, the original, was in Outbound Flight, which kind of becomes relevant again. Yeah, um, we'll get into that. And then, it's hard to not just jump the whole way I in. Know. It, it, well, especially when I get on this tangent, because it seems like there are a lot of call-outs to the original heir to the Empire trilogy and some right. little nuggets from other Thrawn texts like Hand of Thrawn, Outbound Flight, or the more recent Thrawn trilogies. Um, so yeah, there's a, lot to, there's a lot to unpack there, but I think that establishment of those characters, I'm always going to be more fascinated by the really cool dark side characters than I am by the admittedly like, and I don't mean me, admittedly, by the show Mediocre Light Side Characters. Um, mm -hmm. It's fun to see uh, Ren without the Rebels, like, plot armor where the good guy wins in about 25 minutes. 
uh, where she right. just keeps screwing the pooch over and over again. I feel very vindicated. Uh, yeah, you were but you yeah. were going through Rebels. You were specifically frustrated that nobody was dying. I remember that. Well, I, I just and you were like, they're like, dead to rights. Yeah. What's going on? It feels like, and you again, you said like it weakened the story. Yeah, I feel like it's like Scooby Doo meets Supernatural meets Dragon Ball Z. Like the characters just can't get killed. Uh, <laughs> so it's That's nice funny. to see a, a little bit of realism added to these characters. It, it's weird seeing Ahsoka so stoic. I don't think I saw like, and I guess you see her a little bit like that when she's under her, you know, pseudonym all throughout Rebels. But I think we get to see a little bit of Ahsoka's like what I would call true character or like her natural state in episode three. And I guess we can get into that, but um, yeah, those are kind of my, my standout points. I think as far as things that really drew my interest in for episode one. Very cool. Yeah. I'm I'm right on board with all those things as well Um, to me. And before we get into part two, uh, something that a lot of people that I've spoken with uh, about the show, they say it feels like star Wars. And I think that's a really good point is that it, it really does feel like Star Wars. Sometimes the shows that we've seen recently, they do and don't at times feel like I'm watching Star Wars. And so the intro with the not the crawl, but the text was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I sent you a picture of seeing the words thrown on screen. And I was like, is this real life? Because we started this thing, this, this podcast several years ago, not knowing how long we would have it, not knowing what would happen, mm-hmm. you know, um, we're in totally different seasons of life. Now, uh, we've both moved since then. We've both changed careers. We've both like all these crazy things. Mm-hmm. And so looking all those years back, choosing the Chiss ascendancy as our name, we were like, uh, and we've even had conversations like, did we do the right name? Like, is this too niche? Um, and but here we are getting to all see, these years later, you know, mm-hmm, your baby is all right. Um, <laughs> and even deeper cut than the chisses in and see the uh, YouTube yeah. original series, Chad Vader, all of the old that. Chad 2000, Vader, 2010, maybe that was a yeah. long time ago. Oh yeah. No, 2007 or something. We're going to find out, but yeah, it's very exciting. Um, and we have not seen Thrawn since. Uh, we have not seen him so far in the show, which sucks. But I feel like the reveal will be huge. Um, okay, so we're a little bit over our time. We're trying to keep it short and sweet. We're moving on to part two. Um, I'll start Vader, this one off. Day shift manager <laughs> started yes. 2006. That's See, so 2006, funny. seven. Yeah, I really um, get back into that's that. a freaking funny show. Um, it's on YouTube if you want to find it, if you're listening. Okay, part two, Toil and Trouble. Um, so we cut to um, Sabine is injured and Qui-Gon's thinking, what the hell? Um, this is like the 20th person that's been stabbed by a lightsaber in the last I 10 years that has have, not been killed. I've read something and, a little bit along those lines. So it mm-hmm. is, I think it's supposed to have been the headbutt. Or the uh, the getting hit in the face with the lightsaber hilt that did Qui Gon in more than this. Like he was already dead before he got stabbed, is what I've read. Like that, it was such a serious head injury that? that. Okay, I'm sorry, I don't have all my sources uh, bibliographed in my mind. I'm just sharing with you something that I read. It was just an interesting thought uh, that it wasn't necessarily the stab wound that killed him. 
Yeah. I'm not. But then hard, again, if I'm you not, uh, gut, gut shots are the worst, it's, the t- it's a heck of a way to go is what I've heard. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's just, the, uh, I'm not calling you out for not having your source. I'm calling the source out for that. I don't know. I mean, I seem to remember it having been something that wasn't haphazard. It wasn't like a, yeah. I, I also saw something recently that was like Qui-Gon let it happen because it, made Obi-Wan into the Jedi that he knew he could be by giving him the responsibility. Um, I don't know. I guess kind of like a death by Sith, death by cop kind of <laughs> situation with Qui-Gon. Um, That's the worst theory like, than the other one. <laughs> letting himself die? Yeah, Qui-Gon's not that kind of guy. I don't know. He's no quitter. You must you must train the boy. No, not quitting, but like... It's quitting. It's quitting. Ah, maybe. All right. So uh, one to ten, if the if episode two or episode one is an eight or an eight point five, this one's like a six point five or seven. I enjoyed um, episode two more for me. Personally. You like two more than one? Mm-hmm. Really? I'm gonna give it. A, I'm gonna give it an. What was your What was your standout moment? I'm gonna give it an even eight. Um, I really really interesting. Yeah, I just enjoyed. Um, I think if I'm being perfectly honest, I enjoy Hugh Yang getting a really dominant role. Yes, Hugh Yang uh, is awesome, and I it's love. It's really fun to see him. I mean, talk about like the best built droid in the galaxy. It's like seventy five percent original parts after thousands of years of service. What a guy! Yeah, what and guy. I thought uh, it was very uh, interesting because before the show started, we never knew if Sabine was going to be Hera's apprentice or if she was mm-hmm. force sensitive or anything. Because for those who only just watched the show and didn't watch Rebels prior, things like that. We had we had no inclination whatsoever that Sabine was force sensitive. That wasn't something that was on the table. It wasn't it wasn't hinted at in Rebels. Um, when Kanan is teaching her to wield the dark saber, it's very, very like standard, basic, floor level uh stuff. And Hera says, Oh, does she have the force? And Kanan says the force is in all things. And so when you're watching that, you're like, Yeah, the force is in all things here, come on, catch up. But you never thought that that meant she's trainable as a Jedi. And then Hu Yang hits her with the the robotic factoid of, um, yeah, of all the Jedi that I've ever seen in my entire life, you are the one that is the least talented, <laughs> which I know made your day. Yeah, pretty hard-hitting facts and the way only a droid could deliver it. Um, okay, so standout moment to me would be uh, a couple of things. The moment that Hu Yang tells Sabine that she's basically not good enough to be a Jedi in the old old days. Um, the thing that was interesting to me that kind of harkened back to the Heir to the Empire Outbound Flight uh, Legends material was that they're getting all these hyperdrives ready to um, make a journey. And they're, they're going to make a journey from this galaxy, the known galaxy that we've always played in, to the galaxy where they believe Kane, uh, not Kanan, Ezra and Thrawn are. And that was a huge moment to me. And I texted you after you had seen the show and I told you, and that for our, for our listeners, this is kind of a, a little bit of a niche um, story. And so you can go and read this book or read the Wikipedia or whatever. Uh, maybe we'll make a video of it, but essentially the outbound flight project where Joris Sabaeth during the Clone Wars wanted to take 
an entire civilization or a colony of people, maybe not civilization, but enough people to create a civilization of people to either the unknown regions or another galaxy to basically make sure that if everything ended with the destruction of all races known during the Clone War, that the galaxy as we knew it would spread to somewhere else and that civilization could be saved. Mm -hmm. And so this kind of merges on the what's next era um, of the show already. But I do wonder if eventually that ring will be used to take the Chiss to a safer place in either our galaxy or another galaxy. But we'll break that down a little bit more later. Um, standout moments for you on this one? Um, let me see. Let me refresh myself with my little notes. Uh, I think standout moment for me 100% is Merrick, the appearance of Merrick. Um, I thought it was cool to see shipyards. Um, I think anything reminiscent of Corellia is really cool just because, right. again, it really calls back to novels that are not canon anymore. So you have, uh, what is it, Betrayal, and it talks a lot about the shipyards on Corellia. Yeah, Centerpoint Station, all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. Centerpoint Station, which also reminds me of the hyperspace ring that's now in discovery so there's a lot of things that i feel really draw me back to older texts um and, but i definitely think merrick and his kind of uh appearance and i don't know anybody that can i mean he ran off eventually but anybody that can keep up with ahsoka at this point in their life is definitely something worth watching their career with great interest yeah i, think, I, I agree I think, yeah he's and something just that draws my attention in just the look in general, like coming from two guys who grew up, like getting every v every VHS tape in the house into one room so we could build a, a fort or a castle out of VHS tapes. <laughs> um, a medieval oh, knight style uh, looking character is really, really cool. And he has a double blade reminiscent of a uh, of an, an inquisitor. inquisitor, but we don't mm -hmm. know if that's the case yet. I was so I was like, oh, he's going to do it. Um, I was watching uh, the first couple episodes with Macy and I was like, oh, here he goes. Whenever mm -hmm. he wound up to do the th saber throw was shout out Star Wars Battlefront to the original one where you could throw your <laughs> lightsaber and have it come back to you and just like murder people like that. Um, I really thought when he was winding up, I didn't know he was going to throw his saber at Ahsoka. I thought that he was going to do like this and then jump in the air and hold his saber up and let it helicopter him away to the ship. <laughs> Um, I'm glad they didn't do that. That's one of so my biggest. So I'm kind of sad that the... we didn't see that, but helicopter, yeah. helicopter. All right, moving on to uh, part three here. Just came out here recently. This one's called "Time to Fly." Uh, this is definitely um, setting up more story. You spend some time with Hera talking to the New Republic senators and the Mothma herself, Mon Mothma, mm -hmm. and talking Enter about the bureaucrats. this threat. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the politics, all that kind of stuff, which um, is some of the best and worst parts of Star Wars as far as taking you away from the action, but showing you, like, obviously part of George's whole thing is to, sh is to tell a story or point out the good and bad of real life uh, through storytelling, which um, several years ago, you know, we all kind of knew, like, not everything's as it seems, but then in the last several years, you're like, things are really not at all what they seem. Yeah. And so getting back into the politics of Star Wars, um, what did you think of this episode? Did you enjoy it? Was it, um, did you feel like we could have fit more into an episode of a show that's only supposed to be eight parts so far? 
I enjoyed a lot of this episode. It felt really short. Uh, one of my really good friends called me just before we got on here because he wanted to chit chat about it. And we both agreed that I don't know that it's necessarily short in the grand scheme of Star Wars shows episodes, but it definitely felt short because there was so much being packed into it. Um, mm -hmm. We had a lot of revelations about Sabine and the way that she has her relationship with the force again, reminds me of something from an old Republic novel of uh, you remember uh, Theron Shan. Okay. He's a uh, Satil Shan's bastard kid. Mm -hmm. And he has kind of uh, an awareness of the force that makes him powerful as uh, like a hired gun, but he doesn't have an affinity for the force in a way that it would make him really a Jedi. Is um, that from the book Annihilation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, okay. He's okay. a cool character. That's that's not one of the he's, most standout old Republic novels. Yeah, he's got the He's got the, the chip on the side of his head. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's a good book. Yeah. I remember I uh I was working at a camp in Kerrville, Texas, and we went uh -huh. to that store called Hastings. And of course. it's like a thirty dollar book, right? It's a new it's a new hardcover novel and there's no price tag on it. And the lady was like, How much is this? And I was like, I don't know, ten bucks. And she was like, Okay. And it was a joke, you know, because obviously she's going to ring it up. It's going to be 28 bucks or whatever. Right. And then she she rings it up. She goes, it's not pulling up. And she looks at me. She goes, 10 bucks. And she charged me 10 bucks <laughs> for that book. So I remember joke, reading right? it that summer. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I think it's very, very similar uh, to what you're saying about him is that like enough of the almost, you know what it is? It's it's almost like what they used to describe. Han Solo as in Legends continuity, yeah. because years ago, for those of you who didn't read the comics and the books and stuff, especially before the Disney takeover, um, the Disney purchase, Han Solo was a level of force sensitive that they called force aware. Yeah. And force aware was, you know, because now they're doing this whole the forces and everybody and anybody can reach it. And it was kind of weird because the old trilogy was like that and it was kind of like well luke opens himself up to the force so then he's capable but obviously he's got this family heritage but right. it was kind of like maybe everybody has it and then you get to yeah. the prequels and the midichlorians are a huge deal so if you don't have midichlorians then you don't have midichlorians and you don't have access to the force like others do and now they're kind of opening Unless. it back up to it being in all things <laughs> so i think it is and it isn't right it's like almost uh pan pantheism or panentheism depending on your perspective that it, it's like in all things and it is all things. Um, but at the same time, it's like only certain people are capable of becoming aware of it. It seems like they're really right. fast and loose with who all has it. But um, I, mean, I think I it's, I think of the way that they're describing it in Ahsoka is almost like wisdom. Like there are people who just have a, a better head on their shoulders, just, to start life. It just seems like they have more patience, more wisdom. They know when to speak, when not to speak. And then some people don't have that and they go through things in life and they have to gain that wisdom and some do and some don't. Um, yeah. But the, it, it definitely seems like the force now, like Ahsoka said in this episode, there are levels of talent, mm -hmm. but it's available to anyone. And, uh, but Sabine hearkening back to, what we were talking about Han Solo it seems like uh, back in the day you had being someone who was force aware. And mm -hmm. so that's what made him quick enough to beat someone like Greedo in a draw, even though the, the uh, you know, Greedo species is supposed to be quicker than humans. Yeah. But they're not. And, or, you know, in Han's case, because he's force aware, or that's what made him such a good gambler or things like that. And so it, and if we, if this was like 
Tales from Most Isley's Cantina, Sabine Wren would be force aware, but not force sensitive. Right. If that helps yeah. put it in perspective for the Legends fans. Yeah. That's that's something that kind of stood out to me. And then obviously you have the the senators, and I don't know if the quote I, I referenced was a little bit too of a deep cut, but Palpatine in uh the Phantom Menace when uh what's his name? The the blue cat steps over and starts talking to the Supreme Masamita. Chancellor. Yeah, Masamita F that guy. Uh <laughs> and Palpatine's like into the bureaucrats, the true rulers of the Republic. When he's like really yeah. trying to undermine all the confidence. That's that's what made me think of that. I was just like, man, all these guys can like suck it. And I don't know if it's just me, but ever since I read Plagueis and Palpatine like went on that uh, kill streak with all the grand senators, uh, I was like, man, <laughs> grand can just suck it. They can suck it so hard. Um, yeah, I saw him. And I was so like, I saw that, that grand back. senator. And I was like, who, who invited this clown? Uh, Who's this witch? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the kind of energy I had. And, uh, you know, that was kind of a standout. It seems like they're always choosing the wrong thing. So at one point or another, you should just stop listening to them, which apparently never happens until there is another war. Um, right. And we found out from novels early on in uh, the stuff that was coming out after this, the uh, Force Awakens we found yeah. out pretty quick that uh, Mon Mothma dismembered the rebel fleet or any kind of New Republic army like really quickly after the war. Um, I think like they talk about that in decision. Bloodline. Is, is yeah, it, bloodline? it is in Bloodlines. Um, and I, I think I was actually just thinking of that novel because of how many senators have just like malintent. I, I just – mm -hmm. I when Hera asked him, she's like, do you ever fight in the war? Or do you just kind of sit out and wait to see what side won? Uh, yeah. Pretty, pretty hard, hard tax um, kind of comment there. But it really, uh, I feel like it, it kind of really summarizes a lot of the senator's roles where yeah. they're like, well, we serve now. And be like, hey, you kind of do. You mostly serve yourself, you know, just, yeah. you know, it's interesting because like, and, yeah, how many, it's like, yeah, how many of these senators, like they look good on the outside, but they're orn free tall on the inside. Dude, I was just about to reference Orn Frita. That guy's like, so it's, yeah. Bad Batch does he's such the, a good job of showing how slimy that guy is. embodiment of hedonism. Yeah, it was funny because whenever uh, Hera goes, "Did you serve in the war? Or did you sit out the sides waiting, you know, to see who won?" Macy mm -hmm. goes, "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like the cat from uh, from uh, Puss in Boots." But um, yeah, I, I thought that you know, it's got to be tough because. I think as Hera is legitimately in Ahsoka as well, they're on the journey to figure out how to stop Thrawn from coming back. Mm -hmm. But Sabine is on the journey to try to find Ezra. And right. so obviously Hera has a tie to Ezra as well. And so they are able to kind of push back on her wanting supplies or needing help or things like that. Um, but I do think that once Thrawn comes back, if like, I think the only thing that can defeat Thrawn, like what Timothy Zana said, is something that's unforeseen. And it's like, mm -hmm. okay, if he's ready for the eventuality of this, this, and this, then he's going to have a way to beat it. And now that he knows that Pergil exists, like there's really nothing else that they can do to defeat him, um, which kind of goes into – Yeah. So yeah. our fifth element of every review is what's next. We've kind of held this off to the end to just try to flesh out these first three episodes. So – 
three oh, ratings for season quick. in and that I know of, we, we don't have plans for a second season as of yet, but what, where do you see this going? Do you have any thoughts, theories? I know a huge theory right now is, is Merrick the third dark sider? Is that supposed to be a new spelling or a play on words of Galen Merrick, yeah. who is Starkiller for the old school Star Wars, the Force Unleashed fans? And it is interesting because apparently, um, if you look under a, additional voices, Sam Witwer is the voice. Yeah, yeah. Sam Witwer is the voice. And we finally get to hear him. Um, I, I don't recall him speaking in, in parts one or two, he but didn't. in the third one, um, it's just a very robotic, like, as you wish, like, you know. Something very dark side, so bad guy kind of voice. Right. Um, so do you think, do you think that that has any base in reality that that I, could be Starkiller left over from the, the, uh, the original trilogy and the, the Galactic Civil War? Let's talk about it. Cause anybody short of Vader or Palpatine is not going to be running the show if an actual star killers on the on the force. Yeah, true. Let's be real. The the amount of power that he had was absolutely absurd. I don't see uh Balin or uh I think her last name's Hadi uh pulling down a star destroyer out of the sky. Let's 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 put that as it is. Um I think it may be a cool reintroduction. I I just don't want to get my hopes too high because I foresee um a Captain Phasma sort of ordeal. Mm-hmm, you remember mm-hmm. how excited we were about Captain Phasma and how much right. Captain Phasma merch there was, and then she had. Well, like there was a lot of merch, and the girl that plays her of screen time. Yeah, and Gwendolyn Christie was so cool as Brain of Tarth in Game of Thrones, and Game of Thrones was like riding the wave right when The Force Awakens came out. So yeah. we were like, dude, if they're gonna go find this chick, Brain of Tarth, just make her a Star tall. Wars character. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I agree. I, I don't want to get my hopes too high. And it kind of reminds me of we put out a short uh, a while ago about could Starkiller be canon again? And if he was, um, you know, if he was, then does it make sense? And would you have to nerf him? And a lot of people were like, hating on me in the comments him. and being like, just, you know, they would say stuff like, let him let the legend live in legends. Or they would say, why do you have to nerf him? That's a stupid idea. Why would you even suggest that? And I'm like, because you can't have people going around just blowing planets apart. It doesn't make any <laughs> sense. It doesn't fit in the story anymore. Yeah. Um, it's, it's especially if it's post episode six. Yeah. Yeah. It, because you'd be, it would be one of those things like, why didn't, if somebody was so powerful, why didn't he make it, you know, to the era of, the force awakens I, it, if he's going to be and he's like third wheel right now, he's just making that dark side trio a trikey. He's not going to be as powerful as <laughs> right as star killer was. It's just, there's no dice. In so, that. but I think the idea is the... really cool. His helmet looks like Sith stalker armor, a little bit modified, like into a, yeah. like a medieval Very old helmet. school looking. Yeah. Let me put the question to you then after all these years, would you rather the merit character just be a new dude, you know, is what it is. Or would you rather him be somebody important? Unless he's a main character, I don't see him adding too much depth as him being actually Starkiller Burn because that's it, that's that's a main character that is not a it's that too is much, not a yeah. side character. 
Um, yeah. His his backstory is too rich. His character is too well developed, I think, in the Legends material. But I, I think the idea of it has circulated a lot of conversation, which is exciting. And I think that having mm. just somebody that's kind of a cool third, you know, leg to to rely on there if, if you know, like I think the actor for Balin died, right? Now we need somebody to kind of fill that role a little bit, I feel yeah. like. Um, yeah, we don't we don't know what happens to Balin's character and definitely rest in peace to Ray Stevenson. We don't um, – how he passed away is still, I guess um, – under investigation or he had a some kind of a heart issue and we don't know what the source of it is and things like that um but if the character is supposed to have lived and obviously ray passed away we don't know what the story is with that we don't have any kind of insights right there um a couple of ideas and then we'll try to wrap this up um okay two things another concept that i heard that i saw that i was like huh um Dave has done a great job of taking things from legends. And I remember mm-hmm. all those years ago, he posted him reading and it was just the spine of an old heir to the empire, like the old one. I'll try mm-hmm. to find a picture of mine. Um, but the old, the first heir to the empire was like a yellow book with like a dark blue, almost black spine. And it's just an heir to the empire. And he was reading that. And um, that was right before rebels season three came out, which of course was the, the, the time we brought, Thrawn back into canon and people cried and it was just amazing. Yeah. Um, Dave has done such a good job of that. And so I wonder if uh, the theory I saw was, is Merrick um, the Luuk L U U K E from legends. And the reason he has a mask and everything. And the reason he's almost too much in the background to, for such a strong character is because he is a clone of Luke Skywalker made from the hand that was cut off at Cloud City because we know that that's a thought. Um, we know that Palpatine has that hand because in the Darth Vader comics um I believe Palpatine takes Vader to Exegol and it's in a jar there um and they don't they don't necessarily say hey this is Luke's hand but there's just a random freaking white guy's hand in a jar there <laughs> seems like a pretty obvious choice and in legends yeah. Uh, there was a clone of Luke Skywalker named Luke L U U K E, made from that DNA. Yeah, it's the like same L way. Prime, Luke. Right, exactly. Um, so that's an interesting thought. And then uh, I'll give you one last thought from me. And then if you want to close out with another thought of what you might want to see going forward, um, I think that the way that we get around Thrawn being a a, a bad bad guy. I've, I'm fighting against it because the Thrawn that you know, especially from the new novels, especially, especially from the Thrawn from trilogy, the yeah. especially I'm... from the Ascendancy trilogy, is mm-hmm. that Thrawn is not evil. He simply wishes to protect the Chiss Ascendancy from specifically from the threat of a species or a people known as the Grisks. Um, he defeated them years and years ago before he uh, was exiled and joined the Empire. Um, and knowing that the Grists were going to come back in force, he decided to join the Empire as it was brand new at the time because they stood the best chance of helping the Chiss World War to break out. So all that to say, the outbound flight project where they have civilizations of people or whole towns, whole families, whatever, on a ship, and they have this giant ring of 
hyperdrives attached to this cylinder and they're sending it to the edge of known space. Uh, in this case, in Ahsoka, to a, an entirely different galaxy. Mm-hmm. I think the long term will be if Thrawn does end up being the full on big bad, which if he is, then like it is what it is and I'll embrace it. But I think to me, maybe at the end of the day, Morgan thinks she's taking that ring to get Thrawn. But I think Thrawn will end up using that same technology to take the Chiss to a new and safer galaxy to save them from the known galaxy, which is always constantly filled with war. And he's going to try to find a new place for them to start, especially since his home planet um, is not really inhabitable. If you remember from the Thrawn novels and the Chiss and yeah. the Sinisi novels, um, the whole planet, similar to like what we have with Mandalore, like the, pl- the planet's surface is un- uninhabited. But yeah. they all live underground, um, taking them to a whole new place to start life all over again. That's my far-reaching theory. Interesting. Um, I wonder. Again, I don't want to get my hopes up too high. I because I I yeah. know how few people have actually read the novels. I don't know if it would be realistic to hope for Dave to pull that much out of literature. Um, yeah. But I, I, I see the whole th- story shifting once Thrawn enters the scene because we see – I don't know. I love Thrawn and I'm so grateful that Rebels took the weight of making him canon again. I hate that they put training wheels on him because um, Thrawn doesn't lose. You know what I mean? He just – he's not yeah. that guy. They. I think they did a good job of making it like, oh, he lost because this person lost their cool or he lost because of the Pergil. They did I a think, good job of making it where he didn't lose of his own accord in a sense. you know. Right. I think Tim Zahn did a phenomenal job of retconning that in the novels where <laughs> the elder of uh, of the – what's the myth – the myth house uh, mm-hmm. was like, yeah, he's not going to lose unless there's something unforeseen or something he's never seen before. And uh, – I was like, yeah, Tim Zahn did not like that at all. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I I kind of want to keep my horizons open. I don't. Again, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about how this goes. I know Thrawn's not meant to be the focal point, even though he immediately will be for me. But I also know he's the guy that, um, like Palpatine, he's seeking power. Anybody in the Empire was seeking power. Thrawn thought of power as like a means to an end. Like mm-hmm. he wanted to achieve a goal and he's like, well, if I need to be the highest rank and most successful officer to achieve that goal, then by all means, let me invent another, you know, higher status. Right. Um, but I, I am curious as to where Morgan's motives fit into it because I don't, I assume based on the fact that she is backed by Imperial loyalists that she uh, has designs on revitalizing the empire I know Thrawn. And like, how does she fit into the group of people? It's interesting because she seems so loyal to him and she's like, he's calling to me, which is weird because Thrawn doesn't have that ability. So I don't even know if that's real. I assume Um, it's the way that anybody who is in a cult feels like their cult leader is able to communicate with them. Yeah. (laughs) and And what do you think about like in the Mandalorian season three, you have all these people who are, like you had the Moff Gideons, you had the uh, – what's that guy's name? Uh, Captain Pelion, mm-hmm. Admiral Pelion, who's 
also Such a waiting cool Thrawn's return. You know, he's a great character from Legends brought back into canon. Oh, yeah. Um what is like where does like you said, where does Morgan fit in that? Because yeah, she's an Imperial, but she's a Night Sister first. And is she like she you know, is her like, long is her long term goal like to personally defeat Thrawn because he's the highest ranking Imperial left and they kill the Night Sisters and like the a weird you know what I mean? Like yeah. I can see that being uh, something that's a thing. I don't think it'll go that way. Um, just I don't. I don't have really good reason for it. Um, she seems pretty dedicated to the cause, and she also, when she's talking to her hired hands, doesn't really think of herself as a night sister. Um, hmm. Based on the way that she kind of, she you know, her ancestors were witches, but you know, she's not really like it's almost just something that would make her stronger, but it's not her driving fork. Yeah, uh, she, focus. she seems like she could be force sensitive. Yeah, I mean, to I think any night sister is force sensitive to a degree because you have to have yeah. a dark side affinity to. It's be able very to interesting. Dark magic. I think uh, there's there's a lot to unpack. Um, but yeah, so I I don't know where her, I don't know what her motive, I don't know what her driving motivation is. I think that's going to be the key to a lot of, um, what Thrawn's and then you know Thrawn has been. When's the last time Thrawn was left alone with his thoughts for decades? You know what I mean, like. Right. He's always yeah. had a goal. In I always mind, thought, so. yeah, I I always thought that whenever Rebels first aired and Thrawn was gone and we didn't know there was an Ahsoka show coming and things, I always I always said to you, I feel like Thrawn and Ezra would come back from the unknown regions or from wherever they ended up on the same page. They would come back. I don't, I just don't see a world where Ezra and what he wants for the galaxy and Thrawn and what he wants for the galaxy, specifically for the Chiss, are really mm -hmm. kind of the same thing. I don't really see them being that far apart or different. And so I always felt like they would come back and be like, yeah, so we decided we're actually uh, actually kind of buds. Like if, if Callus <laughs> and Zeb can feel that way overnight, you know, over a little yeah. one little slumber party, I feel like two people who are like, Ezra is far more reasonable and more powerful in the force than Zeb and Thrawn is clearly more reasonable and has a, a, a bitter, bigger, uh, wiser head on his shoulders than Callus. So if those two can see eye to eye, mm -hmm. I feel like Thrawn and Ezra probably could as well at some, to some degree. Um, yeah. anything that you're wanting to see, not necessarily a prediction, but anything you want to see, if you could, if you're writing and they call you and they go, Hey, Loki, don't tell anybody, but the last four episodes aren't done yet. What do you want to see on screen? What do you? What's your call? I just want to see Thrawn done justice. It's a low ask, I feel like, but I'm again cautiously optimistic. I you see him only, and I think part of me is I just want other Star Wars fans to get the Thrawn experience. Like mm -hmm, I remember, mm -hmm. I was in college, and there's this theater out here called the Warren Theater, and uh, it's since been bought out by Regal, and it's not quite what it used to be because they have you know turned it more into. It's not about the experiential level of it, but it's like it was the Disney world of movie theaters. Like all the all the staff wore like little bellhop uniforms with white gloves. And oh, that's uh, cool. You know, it was just it was straight out of what you would imagine experiencing like the 1920s. And uh, we were going to go. You and I had already gone to see uh, The Force Awakens in theaters uh, via the uh, the marathon. And so I got back up. It was like the mm -hmm. spring semester, my freshman year. And uh, I was like, no, it's okay. I've already gone. I don't really have like a ton of expendable cash right now to go. And he's like, I'll pay for it. It's he's like, it's not about the movie, but the Warren's an experience. 
And uh, like that was his focus. And I always thought that was really funny. But for me, Thrawn is an experience. He's not a character. And so Mm -hmm. like I feel like a lot of Star Wars fans have gotten robbed by molding Thrawn into the Rebels character slot as opposed to like like Thrawn to me, like Starkiller isn't a supporting character. He's a main character. And so uh, I feel like I would really love to see him not fit the mold of another agenda. I would love to see him thrive as the character that you get in all the novels, you know, just not just, you know, analytical or or clever, like you kind of see him in Rebels, but truly brilliant and, you know, almost omniscient in his level of ability to predict and to, to, to foresee things and to analyze his enemies and, and kind of take all those and amalgamize it into a, you know, a, a workable, feasible plan that nobody else is seeing or expecting or could, you know, it's just, this is such a brilliant character and I, I would hate to see him be brought back again and wasted. So if yeah. I had to ask for one thing, I would like to see him done right. Yeah. I feel I like agree. that's a low definitely... bar. I don't have anything like crazy out there. Like yeah. we already saw Pergill, like what the frick? Uh-uh. Yeah, I, I would say I want to see that same thing. I want to see Thrawn um, in his element. And even if he has to be the big bad, like the way that the Avengers unpacked why Thanos was doing what he was doing. And like right. when he when he killed Gamora, but he was like so weepy over it. But he was like, I have to do this. You kind of felt for him. You're like, is he doing the right thing? Like, and you know, he's not. <laughs> but there's a moment where you start to question like, is he the right, is he the good guy? Like, I want to feel, I want to be compelled because that was the difference. When Timothy Zahn wrote Thrawn all those years Mm -hmm. ago, back in like 1990 or whatever, um, he inspired loyalty in his men and in his uh, officers and things like that. And it wasn't fear. It was, um, it was was respect. respect. It was admiration. It was, Mm -hmm. and they believed like, if we go into battle, if if he's sitting up there in that chair, we're then right. we're gonna win. And I yeah. want to feel that way. And uh, and whether that means he joins forces with the New Republic against a greater force or whatever it takes, I just want to have him done justice. If he does end up passing, I want it to be done right. Um, now, as far as crazy off the wall stuff, uh, I want to see a loath wolf in live action. I would love to see the Bendu in live action, which is an even further reach. <laughs> I think we're going to see a Loth Wolf eventually, but I would love to oh, see yeah. a Nogri. I know, I know. Dude, that's where my, my head was going. Rook is is gone apparently from Rebels, even though he's immortal basically. But to see a Nogri on screen with uh, Thrawn would be freaking sick. Because that's iconic. That's iconic. Yeah, Thrawn those two together, right there, or the Salamiri. Yeah. Imagine the only way that Thrawn could exist on a planet with Ezra and like neutralize him, but both of them kind of exist and Ezra can't reach out to anyone via the force. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's far, and it's far. I know Palpatine it's far, would be stretched, but it's, I know, but they're in another galaxy that has things that we've never seen or heard of before. And it, and it doesn't have to make sense in the galaxy that we've been in because it's a whole new, it's a whole new universe. You know, it's a whole new right, galaxy. Right, right, a, right. The rules are different. That would be so, cool. That would be very cool. That's my crazy off the wall ask. My very, I feel very reasonable ask is that they do Thrawn justice. My mm-hmm. off the wall ask is that we get to see him wearing an Islamari. Yeah. It would be, you know, what would be freaking sick 
if I could have like one thing on just a picture of it, it would be cool if Balin was angry or scared or something and tried to lash out at Thrawn because the uh, Jeru Sabaoth parallels are there. Correct. And if Thrawn had the Islamiri on his shoulders and they mm-hmm. recreated that moment that was in the comics as well, where you see Druus like lashing out and Thrawn's just standing there like this with basically a force field around him because <laughs> of the animal. That would be, be quite freaking finished. sick. That would be freaking sick. That would be cool. So yeah, well, that is our review. That's our review of parts one through three of the Ahsoka series. Um, sorry for the wait, Tunchi. Um, <laughs> we will be back uh, with parts four through eight. Um, hopefully we'll be able to do them one at a time, if not in chunks. Um, and we will get through this. Uh, one last question for you. When do you expect to see the Grand Admiral on, on screen? It looked like on the scan that Hu Yang made of the hyperspace ring that it was so very close to completion. Um, however close mm-hmm. that is, is however close we are to seeing Thrawn. Um, since there's not I'm a start- rebel fleet to intervene, I would say they'll go relatively unhampered. Um, mm-hmm. I I think that what's going to happen is we're going to see a little suction cup onto the hyperspace ring a la Empire Strikes Back, and they're going to get dragged into so cool the other galaxy. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's going to happen. Um, and so hopefully if- in an episode or two. I, I was going to say if if next week is episode or part four, I th- honestly think either the very very end of four, if not early on in five. That's my gut feeling. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. I'll be, I'll cry if I don't see him till eight. Yeah, I'm a little worried about it, but I'm not putting it out there into the universe. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, this has been episode ninety six of the Chis, Chis Ascendancy Podcast. Remember, the Force will be with you always. And more importantly, remember, the only family you have here is me. Thanks, guys. See you next time.